0: It's not easy being short. I'm about five foot eight on a good day. Steve probably got your hopes up with that announcement. You guys wish my sermons were as short as I am, don't you? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever actually seen Steve and I stand right next to each other, but he is significantly taller than I am. So when we decided that today we were going to preach on Zacchaeus, the short guy of the Bible, Steve decided that I was a little more qualified to bring that message, I guess. (laughs) Don't worry, though, I'll get him back. When we preach on Methuselah, the oldest guy in the Bible, yeah, you know who's up. That's right, that's right. (laughs) Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 19 this morning, Luke chapter 19. Some of you may know the story of Zacchaeus, this little short guy who was a tax collector, and we're going to kind of walk through his story just a little bit today and uh, figure out how it applies to our lives, but let's read the text to begin. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost." It's not easy being short. And Zacchaeus knew that from experience. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Zacchaeus was this pint-sized little person, and everybody around looked down on him, socially and physically. When Zacchaeus was finally old enough to get his license, he had to sit on a phone book as he drove his camel around just to see over the hump. At synagogue school, Zacchaeus was always the last one to get picked for the kickball team. When he walked through the marketplace, people would chuckle and they, they would make fun of him. <laughs> hey, hey, Zacchaeus, how's the weather down there? <laughs> Somebody else would pipe up, hey, don't make fun of Zacchaeus, and he's really sensitive about his lack of height. Besides, you might make him mad and he'd punch you in the knee. <laughs> And then somebody else would pipe up and say, You're right, I'm not gonna make fun of Zacchaeus. I wouldn't wanna stoop that low. Oh, and it made Zacchaeus fume. I may not be big, he said, I may not be tall, but I got brains and I'll get even. And he did. When Zacchaeus grew up, or when he got older, uh, he became a tax collector, a trader. You see, as a tax collector, he raised the money that paid the soldiers who pillaged the cities of Israel, his homeland. He financed the army that occupied the cities of Israel, raped the women, stole the crops, oppressed the people. But Zacchaeus, he, he wasn't just any tax collector. No, the gospel writer Luke here tells us that he was a chief tax collector. He was a high government official with the power of Rome behind him. No longer did people tease Zacchaeus. People who used to laugh at him now addressed him with fear. Yes, Mr. Zacchaeus. No, Mr. Zacchaeus. Good day, Mr. Zacchaeus. And that little man was feeling pretty big. You see, Zacchaeus lived in the city of Jericho in Israel. Jericho was one of the wealthiest cities in the whole country. It was a hub of trade and commerce. It controlled a lot of the goods coming in and out of the capital city, Jerusalem, which was about 15 miles away. It's like Zacchaeus, his job would be similar to today if he was controlling all the imports and exports coming out of New York City. He was a customs agent. That's that's a big job. And it came with a big paycheck. The gospel writer Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was wealthy. There's a hint of resentment, of pain in that word. Where did that money come from? Extortion. The name Zacchaeus actually means righteous one, which is ironic because righteous was the last thing Zacchaeus was. He sat atop a pyramid scheme of corruption and exploitations. Oftentimes, often uh, tax collectors were the only ones who really knew the tax laws around, so they could charge people whatever they wanted, skim off the top, take what they wanted, and people hated Zacchaeus. He was like a combination between Bernie Madoff and Danny DeVito, all right? People didn't like this guy, but he was rich. I mean, Zacchaeus had a fleet of camels. He had a two-story house, all the technology a guy could want. He had lots of good food, and Zacchaeus ate well. Let me tell you. But he ate alone. He had to watch his back. He had double locks on his doors, bars on his windows, an armed guard that followed him everywhere he went. He had everything. But at the same time, he had nothing. He was a miserable little man because the money and the power didn't fix his problems. In fact, as his wallet got bigger and bigger, so did the hole in his heart. Until one morning... Springtime. Zacchaeus stepped out of his house into the already hot sun, checked his calendar, saw what appointments he had for the day and started walking down the street. And as he hit the main drag there of Jericho, he noticed the commotion off in the distance down the road. It was a crowd, it was a a, a big, a a huge crowd. I mean, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're jumping around, they're cheering. What in the world could be going on over there? I, I, I don't have any caravans scheduled to come through town today, Zacchaeus said. Then a little kid ran by him towards the ruckus. He says, hey kid, what's going on down there? The kid said, didn't you hear? Jesus is coming. Well, that, that made Zacchaeus' heart skip a beat. He'd heard about this Jesus guy. and he didn't, he didn't really know what to believe. You see, Zacchaeus had had a crazy three weeks. As chief tax collector, part of his job was going around and the people who didn't want to pay their taxes, he had to make them pay their taxes. And so three weeks ago, one of his regional managers came up to him and was complaining about some group of 10 lepers in his region there and they refused to pay their taxes, something about because they were lepers and they couldn't work and they didn't have any money, but Zacchaeus didn't care about that. So Zacchaeus went down there and he, he knocked on the door and he was hot. And when they opened the door, sure enough, there were 10 lepers inside, but, but well, well, they, they weren't lepers <laughs> anymore. They they were, they were, their skin was clear. They were clean. They were healed. They said some guy named, what was it? Jesus came up to him and, and, and healed all 10 of them. They went back to work and they met him at the door with a little box full of coins, three years in back taxes. Well, Zacchaeus didn't know what to believe after that. You can't believe everything people say. But then the next week, Zacchaeus had to go get money out of, out of somebody else, some some poor little old widow, and she was talking about how three years ago her husband died, and so she didn't have much income, you know, fixed income kind of thing. I don't have enough to pay my taxes, and then last week she said her son died, and something about funeral expenses I can't pay. Well, Zacchaeus, hey, there was no mercy law in the tax codes. All he saw was the unpaid word stamped right next to that girl's name. So he went, he knocked on her door, and she met him at the door with a fistful of cash. What in the world? And she told him that the last week while her son's funeral procession was going down the road, some guy came up and interrupted the ceremony and, well, she said he brought her son back to life. She said he scared the undertaker so bad that he gave her her money back, said, keep it, I'm out of here. And that was the money that she gave him to pay for the taxes. And Zacchaeus' mind is spinning at this point, but he got the money, that's all he cared about. And then last week, In Zacchaeus' hometown, there in Jericho, there's this beggar who always sits outside the city, cardboard sign, some guy named Bartimaeus. He's blind. Feed me, I can't see, you know. Zacchaeus didn't care about that. All he got was pennies. It wouldn't make a big difference if the guy paid his taxes or not, but Rome wanted his money, and so Zacchaeus had to go get blind Bartimaeus to pay his taxes. And so blind, or Zacchaeus walks up to blind Bartimaeus' dilapidated, run-down little shack, knocks on the door, the door opens, and there, standing in front of Zacchaeus, is a clean-cut man with piercing eyes. I mean, it sure, it sure looked like Bartimaeus, but it couldn't be. Bartimaeus was blind. No, it's me, Bartimaeus said. I was blind. Now I can see. You see, Jesus met me outside of town when I was begging and he opened my eyes. This Jesus guy, he He saves people. And Bartimaeus sold his seeing eye dog and so he gave the money to Zacchaeus there to pay the taxes and... Well, Zacchaeus, he, he just didn't know what to think about that, this this Jesus stuff. And so when the kid runs by down the road to see Jesus, well, well, Zacchaeus just had to go check it out for himself. And so Zacchaeus goes down, and he joins the crowd, but he's about elbow height of everybody else, so he gets jostled out in the hustle and the bustle, but he wants to see Jesus. So he stands on his tiptoes. He tries jumping up and down, but, but it, it doesn't do any good. He can't see Jesus, but he's, he's a little man, but he's got a big brain. And the big brain got to working, and he thought, I know what I'll do. So Zacchaeus took off running as fast as he can, which was like, Barely faster than the crowd was walking, but he made it outside the city before they did. And outside the city, there was this this sycamore tree. Squatty trunk, low branches. One of the branches went out right over the road, thick leaves. Zacchaeus jumped up and and grabbed the first branch, pulled himself up. He must have been quite a sight, balding, chubby, middle-aged man scrambling up a tree in his designer suit. (laughs) But he got up there. He hid himself behind the leaves a little bit. You see, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he didn't want Jesus to see him. And this is where the story gets crazy. Luke tells us that Jesus was passing through Jericho. And all along through Luke's gospel, we've been seeing that Jesus is intent on getting to Jerusalem. He's gonna make it to Jerusalem in time for the Passover feast. And he's going to die there. But he's intent on making it to Jerusalem. And oh, sure. I mean, the people of Jericho would have loved to have Jesus stay. The mighty teacher, the wonder worker. Of course, everybody wanted Jesus to stay at their house. And the crowd is is jostling. They're going crazy around Jesus. Everybody wants his attention, wants him to notice them. They want a wink or a wave or a handshake or just a nod. But Zacchaeus, or excuse me, Jesus, he just walks right on through. He keeps going. And then he gets outside the city. And then he stops looking up at this... Tree, what in the world are you doing, Jesus? We just, you were so intent on getting through the city and now you stop, there's nothing up there. But you know Jesus, Jesus always sees things that other people don't see. And he looks behind the leaves and he sees a little middle-aged man with a big problem. All the money in the world and no satisfaction to show for it. Well, when Jesus stops to look up, the crowd does too. And they see Zacchaeus up there in the tree. And Jesus hollers at him, Zacchaeus. And the crowd's thinking, ooh, here we go. We got him cornered now. Jesus is going to let him have it for what he's done to us. Let's go, Jesus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down here right now. And the crowd's thinking, oh, let it rip, Jesus. And Jesus says, Zac, coming over to your house for lunch today. Can I crash on your couch tonight? (laughs) wait what excuse me Jesus I don't think you know who you're talking to but Jesus knows exactly who he's talking to everybody else in Jericho wanted Jesus to stay at their house but the one lucky winner is the guy who least deserved it the funny thing about this whole scenario is that, that Zacchaeus thought he was the one looking for Jesus but Jesus was the one looking for Zacchaeus He was leaving the 99 to go after the one, just like he does. Jesus saw Zacchaeus when nobody else did. He he noticed him when everybody else was elbowing out and ignoring him. You see, Jesus is here to seek and to save and to see the lost. He saw lost people. Do we see people the way Jesus does? It's like when you're buying a car. Let's say you're shopping for a new car and, I don't know, hypothetically, let's say you're shopping for a black Chevy Equinox. And when you start shopping for a black Chevy Equinox, all of a sudden, you start seeing black Chevy Equinoxes everywhere, right? Because you trained your mind to see things that you don't normally notice. And that's what Jesus does with lost people. And that's what we're called to do with lost people, with any people. Jesus sees people. Jesus would see the single mom dropping her kids off at daycare so she can head to her second job. She's trying to scrape it by her and ends meet. Jesus would see the lonely person at church sitting in your row right now. Jesus sees that girl with the tattoos and the piercings and the drug habit and he loves her just the same. Jesus sees the guy out there on 40 with his cardboard sign. Says, we'll work for food. And Jesus doesn't scoff at him saying, Bum, yeah, right, you're just gonna spend it on cigarettes. Jesus loves him like a person who's made in the image of God. Jesus sees people. Maybe today you're here and you don't feel like anybody sees you. Jesus does. He sees you and he sees right through to the hurt in your heart just like he saw Zacchaeus and he's calling us to see other people that way too. Jesus saw Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus. Jesus. When they get together at Zacchaeus' house, well, Zac, he puts on quite a spread. They had a feast. They ate, and they ate, and they ate. Now, let me tell you, to the Jews, we got to understand, meals were a really sacred time. Meals were a time where God's very presence was expected and awaited and enjoyed. And so God gave his people lots of guidelines for meals, because for the Jews, their hope lay in their holiness, That the only way they could maintain a right relationship with God was to be pure and to be holy, to follow the law, and then when they didn't, to make sacrifices. And so in order for them to maintain purity and holiness, they had certain regulations with how they ate. They had certain ways they had to wash their hands, and certain foods they could and could not eat, and certain people they could not couldn't eat with, and certain places they could not couldn't eat. And every time they ate, it was an act of religious devotion to God. One writer says that uh, for them, doing lunch was doing theology, Even if the outside world was all mixed up, your table was a place where the boundaries were clear, where the good was separated from the bad. And so eating with somebody like Zacchaeus, a sinner, sharing a plate with a traitor, a compromiser like that, well, it just wasn't done. Now, those food laws that the Jews followed, they weren't bad. They were meant to keep the people pure and holy. That's good. If the people, sinful people, came in contact with uh, impure food or if they went into the house of a Gentile or if they uh, touched a leper or if they came in contact with a dead body, the uncleanness from those things would transfer to them. It was contagious. They would be defiled and they had to go through these cleansing rituals so they could worship God again. But then Jesus came and he changed all of that because Jesus was the first and only person who was truly pure and truly holy So, when Jesus touches lepers, instead of their uncleanness being transferred to him, his cleanness is transferred to them. And when Jesus touches dead bodies, instead of their defilement touching him, his holiness touches them, and the lepers are healed, and the dead are raised. And it's the same thing with these eating laws. When Jesus eats with Zacchaeus, instead of Jesus becoming unclean, Zacchaeus becomes clean. But people saw Jesus go in to eat with Zacchaeus and they must have thought, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is way out of bounds here. This is unacceptable. He's gonna be defiled right before the biggest feast of the year. Is this person who claims to be the Christ getting cozy with crooks? Because if he was any kind of a real prophet at all, he would know what kind of man this is. When Jesus eats, with Zacchaeus, serious doubt is cast on Jesus' character. A Serious doubt is cast on his reputation as a prophet and a rabbi. But Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and instead of just seeing an unclean traitor, Jesus saw a person, a man, with a house and a story, a messy story, and Jesus stepped right into that messy story and he brought his cleanness to it. Jesus is, after all, the mess, Aya. <laughs> Jesus loves messy people. He does. Do you ever wonder what the conversation was like around the table? I do. Maybe Zacchaeus connected with Matthew, Jesus' disciple, who was also a reformed tax collector. Uh, I bet, I wonder how long it had been since somebody looked Zacchaeus in the eye and gave him dignity the way that Jesus did. I don't know what they talked about, but as they did, I bet Zacchaeus got about six inches taller. His shoulders a little straighter, his eyes a little brighter. And then Zacchaeus stood up. He was so short, most people couldn't tell he was standing, so he had to get their attention. He said, listen up, everybody. uh, Jesus, uh, right now, I'm I'm giving half of everything I have to the poor. Yeah, and if in my years of tax collecting I've cheated anybody, well, I'll I'll pay it back four times the amount that I took. Whoa. Whoa. I guess you could say that at that point, Zacchaeus was (laughs) short-changed. His career as a tax collector was cut short, and you could track his conversion with his checkbook. Tell me, if I looked at your transaction history, would I be able to tell that you're converted? (laughs) Zacchaeus is basically saying to people, he's saying, all right, everybody, come tell me how I ripped you off. Joe, I'm sorry I took your Kia as collateral last year. I parked my BMW on your driveway. Keep it. Susan, I know that uh, those extra charges I've been putting on you the last few years have emptied your college savings, so I'm gonna pay your kids' tuition this year. Wow. Normal restitution, what a person had to pay back when they took something, was you had to pay back what you took plus 20%. But Zacchaeus is paying back four times the amount that he took. This is crazy. Because Zacchaeus has gone from a man who is hopeless, cut off from God, cut off from his people, cut off from the family of Abraham, from the promise and the blessing. He is hopeless. And now he's restored. Some of you today might feel hopeless. Maybe you feel cut off. Maybe you need to welcome Jesus in because when you do, you will find that the table with Jesus, anywhere Jesus is, is a place of restoration. Broken lives are restored. Restored. Just like Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he says, this man too is a son of Abraham. That's huge for a guy who abandoned his people. He's restored among God's people, the family of God, the family of Abraham. He's now a recipient again of God's blessing and his promise. When you welcome Jesus into your life, he will restore your brokenness. I promise, he promises. So far we've seen two voices in this text We've seen Jesus call Zacchaeus down from the tree and pronounce salvation to him. And we've seen Zacchaeus uh, say that he's going to repay everything back that he took. But there's a third voice in this text that we haven't looked at yet. It's the voice of the crowd. Verse seven. All the people saw this and began to mutter He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. You see, it isn't all hunky-dory in Jericho when Jesus goes to have lunch at Zach's place. Not everybody's live tweeting the event saying, yeah, Zacchaeus got saved. No, it was the same then as it often is now. We don't have a problem with the fact that Jesus saves people. We like that. It's just all too often Jesus saves the wrong people. He's out there and he's saving sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and Samaritans. And they, like we can sometimes think, say, wait, 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 Jesus. We're the ones waiting for you. We're the good ones. Why are you hanging out with riffraff like that, Jesus? They're, 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 they're dirty, Lord. One old preacher told the story of a man who messed up big time. He was a well-known sinner around town. Finally, his church had had enough of it. They kicked him out and told him to never come back again. Well, eventually this man repented, gave his life to Jesus, he, he straightened himself out, and he wanted to come back and be restored to his church family, but they wouldn't let him in. And so the man goes up to the Lord, so the story goes, and he says, Lord, they won't let me in because I'm a sinner. And the Lord replied, well, what are you complaining about? They won't let me in either. <laughs> you see, God is hard at work seeking and saving people who rub us the wrong way. And if we want to be a church that is filled with the spirit of Jesus, then we have to become a church that's filled with those kinds of people. Who is it in your life that if God saved them, forgave them, it would make you grumble? The person who cheated on you or betrayed you, hurt you, abandoned you, abused you, ripped you off, divorced you, hit you, lied about you, fired you? What if God saved that person? What if he forgave them just like that? Would it make you grumble? Because that's the kind of person God's after. Jesus can save anybody. Anybody? And that's what we see in this story. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus. The people grumble and Jesus saved. Jesus did his best work in the guy that people least expected. So Zacchaeus was was this man who's covered in shame. He's despised and rejected and hated. And Jesus is the opposite. People love Jesus. They're wild about him. And yet Jesus chooses to step into Zacchaeus's life, into Zacchaeus' home. And when he does, the people's hatred for Zacchaeus falls on Jesus. Jesus identifies himself with Zacchaeus. And he takes Zacchaeus' shame upon himself. And in exchange, he gives Zacchaeus his honor and his dignity and restoration among his people in the family of God. It's just like Jesus said today salvation has come to this house for this man too is the son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. When I, I used to, when I read that salvation had come to this house, I used to think that that just meant that Zacchaeus got saved. And I think it does mean that, but I also think it means more than that. Because salvation came to his house when Jesus came to his house. Jesus who is salvation, whose name means salvation. Jesus came and he exchanged his honor for Zacchaeus's shame and he restored Zacchaeus to new life. Has salvation come to your house yet? Have you welcomed Jesus into your life yet? Zacchaeus found salvation and he found life when he met Jesus. When he climbed up on a tree outside Jericho, and then he welcomed Jesus into his home. And we find salvation and life when Jesus climbed up on a tree outside Jerusalem so that he could welcome us into his home. Because not long after his interactions with Zacchaeus, Jesus went to Jerusalem, and there he was arrested, beaten, and mocked, dragged outside the city to a garbage heap, and hung on a cross taking our shame upon himself so that we could have his dignity taking our exile so that we could be restored as sons and daughters of God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 if you haven't welcomed Jesus in today do it do it now Because Jesus is out and he's seeking the saving and saving the lost and he's looking for you and Jesus can save anybody. Like the apostle Paul said, here's a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's my story. I want that to be yours too. But if you have already found salvation and life in Jesus, then he wants to use you He wants to use your dining room table, like his, as a place of restoration. See, because when Zacchaeus realizes the great and the costly love that has been given to him by Jesus, then all of a sudden he's in a hurry to share that same great and costly love with other people. And we are called to do the same. It doesn't take anything crazy. Just radical, simple, ordinary, Jesus-focused, biblically-based hospitality. What if we used our tables as tools for the gospel? What if we ate with the kind of people that other people grumble about? What if we stopped hanging out with just our nice, clean church friends and we started inviting some risky people into our lives too? Because Jesus can save anybody. The next great preacher might be drunk right now the next great worship leader might be the guy in the car in front of you with the obscene bumper sticker the next great church planter might be working at an abortion clinic the next great Christian counselor might have needle marks on her arms and be passed out from an overdose the next great evangelist might be the wife beating racist profanity spewing neighbor down the road you never know Jesus can save anybody and he just might want to use you to do it let's pray Jesus thank you for seeking and saving the lost thank you for seeking and saving us even when we tried to hide from you And we come now as Zacchaeus did to acknowledge you as Lord and we ask you to send us to the people that everybody else thinks is hopeless send us to those people and Lord use us to welcome them into your home as we welcome them into ours we love you in your name we pray amen